This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Is this on? Hello? Can you hear me? Is this on? Is the microphone working? I hope so, because today we're going to talk about audio. How about that creative opening, huh? I can... Um, good job to myself. Haha. <laughs> All right, let's be serious here. We want to talk about why do we need good audio? How do we future-proof our business through good audio? And how do we do that? And I'll, let me let me give you a quick story here. When I first started doing this show, I used my phone. Then I used my iPad. Didn't even buy a microphone for a long, long time. And that was okay. Do you know why? Because very few people were doing podcasts. The competition was this much. Today, everybody's doing a podcast. Have you looked around your competitive set? All kinds of people are doing podcasts. So your audio for your brand has to sound good. It has to work well. So today, uh, we have on the show Shes Mera. He's the CMO of Audio Branding. I heard him over on Jody Krangle's podcast. Jody was on the show a couple of years ago. Um, and she has a fantastic audio podcast as well, if you want to take a listen to that. Uh, but I want to dive into what does that mean? Future-proofing our audio brand. And why is that even important? Welcome to the show, Shez. Nice to have you on the show. Fist bump. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Christoph. Pleasure to be here. You bet. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, why the interest in audio? What's uh, What got that started? And then why, why do people need to care about it? Sure, I'll do my best to give you the Coles notes. I've been fascinated and enamored by sound, audio, music, whatever you want to call it, since uh, since I was a little kid. You know, I'd be walking around as a toddler, banging pots and pans in the kitchen and so forth. And as I grew up, I was just really interested in radio and, and music in general. Um, and I began collecting vinyl when I was about 10 years old. And that hobby and that collection grew and grew and led me into the nerdy world of, of DJing and hip hop culture, uh, which had me going out to DJ battles and seeing these incredible DJs manipulate two pieces of vinyl to create something completely brand new. And that just blew my mind. So then I fell deep deep into the world of DJing. I bought myself some turntables for my 15th birthday. I started trying to put different songs and records together. Um, you know, long story short, that paid my way through university. And then a hobby turned into a full-time career, which led me around the world, uh, giving me a firsthand perspective and bird's eye view as to how human beings actually interact with music and respond to music in different settings and spaces. And interestingly enough, sometimes those individuals didn't even speak the language of the music that was being played, that I was playing, but I was able to get them to respond to it psychologically, physiologically, taking them on this journey. That then led me into the world of marketing, advertising, and branding. I started working with agencies and brands to produce events and experiential activations and so forth. And when doing that, it sort of dawned on me that these brands and agencies were always thinking about sound and audio as an afterthought. 
it was always about you know the creative the strategy the production the media buy and then a sort of post audio conversation or a licensing conversation um but the way i saw it was brands and companies should be treating their visual and audio creative as 50 50 equals because you know some of the biggest companies in the world like disney for instance or mm -hmm. hollywood the film industry they do that and it works really well for them so why weren't marketers thinking about sound in this way or audio in this way and that's kind of how i fell into this space um i started asking that question about 12 years ago do you know what your brand sounds like and why is that important for you um to be frank i wasn't really able to make anything off of it back then um but i think in the last five years or so so much has happened from a technological standpoint the way we live our lives and consume media and consume content um, is completely different so now more than ever it's a very important conversation that brands are having with themselves with their agencies and with people like us to say well what is our brand sound and why does it matter and how do we bring it to life across everything we're doing everywhere we're putting our advertising and marketing dollars and so forth well, so what's that's an interesting question. I don't know how many people I know that could tell me how their brand sounds. I mean, there's still a lot of brands out there that struggle with how do we sound on paper? How do we sound in the written word? And I've seen more plans than I want to admit because honestly, <laughs> where you know where it says we want to sound authoritative, we want to sound like this, um, whatever. Um, real quick reminder, lots of comments today. Really appreciate everyone. I'm kind of throwing them up here as people are tuning in. Really appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, many of our commenters are coming from Shez's LinkedIn page. And the reason I mentioned that Restream has a pairing feature now. So if you live stream your podcast, make sure you use Restream because then you can stream to other people's channels. I think that's a fantastic um, feature. Now, when, when you were just talking about brands and, and how do they make it work, I had a little bit of a flashback to content strategy. Right. Because brands go out there and they just try to copy what other people are doing. They're not really creating unique content. There is a place for that. Right. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not opposed to using stock art images. I'm not opposed to, you know, repurposing content. But how does that look on the audio side? Do I need to be creating my own sound? Do I find a sound like how does that look? How do you determine um, what your audio strategy is? Sure. Yeah. And it's so funny that you mentioned you know, visual and written identity, because we get these brand Bibles, right, from from the company's 80-page documents talking about yep. Pantones and, and the space around their logo and the way that they should be spoken about in the written context and so forth. And that's great. I mean, everyone should safeguard their, their identity. But then what about sound? If you're going to take all of that and invest so much in your written and verbal identity uh, and visual identity, and then you know, you have no thought as to how that's supported or brought to life in a sonic capacity, that's the misstep and that's what we end up solving for. But, you know, to your question of how does that work? What do we sound like? Does this apply to everybody? It might not. I'm not saying that someone should not use stock music or should not license music. That's not what this is about. I think inherently it's about as a company or as a brand, we're doing all kinds of things across a multitude of touch points to interact with. I use the word consumers, but at the end of the day, let's be real, we're all human beings. And human beings today more than ever are stressed out. We're inundated with all kinds of visual stimuli. 
um, coming our way. We're just overwhelmed by sort of the traditional means of branding and marketing so much so that we largely ignore it or don't think about it. And, you know, what can we do as a company to make human beings lives easier, to make our customers lives easier, to have less cognitive dissonance in an interaction with us and so forth. And that's really what the conversation on Sonic or audio branding is about. It's not necessarily only about music or an audio logo or a jingle, but you know, if we have an app, well, what are those product sounds? What are those UI and UX sounds? Is there a coherent ecosystem that is, you know, cohesive and consistent in how people um, perceive us and interact with us? And you know, an example of that is a company like Apple. They don't necessarily have a audio logo, and they license music all the time for their ad hoc campaigns. And they tend to focus on indie artists, which is kind of their, their shtick. But what they do have is consistency in their product sounds, right? When you pay in the Apple store, it's a very clear sound. When you lock your iPhone, there's this sense of security. When you start up your MacBook, there's this ominous sort of hum or glow getting you to trust that the product is working. And that's where this conversation you know, is headed in terms of sonic branding, what companies can be doing, what they are doing, what they should be doing. It's not just about music. Music is one little subsector of the larger sonic identity conversation. If you are, you know, a brand with physical uh, footprint, a hotel, a retail store, well, what's happening in that setting that is making your consumers' lives better or your employees' lives better? Are you opening your doors and blasting you know, top 40 music at 140 beats per minute first thing in the morning because no one thought about that or how to solve for it strategically? Or does that actually make sense for your brand? And does it ladder up with your visual and verbal communication and everything else you're doing? So it's it's a much deeper, larger strategic conversation. At the end of the day, we're a strategy shop with, you know, our, our focus is on audio, but it's really strategy. And how can we take audio and move it from a post end of funnel discussion and move it right to the top of the strategy and the planning phase when we think about brand, communication, campaigns, and where might those opportunities take us when we put on those glasses and look at it through that lens. What's interesting about the document, um, and I've seen more than I would ever want to admit, um, you know, that have everything. How much space should be around the logo? Oh, my God, I was um, over here chuckling at that one. But it's true, right? We have every little detailed cover, but then we don't have um, audio covered. Do you think that's just because some of the people who put those documents together, you know, maybe they did print originally? I mean, when I was at Unite Away, we first got started with multimedia, right? I mean, that's a little, it's about a decade ago, maybe a little bit more now. I mean, it's just kind of a holdover, right, from some of those times when we didn't need audio as much as we maybe need it today. Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting. I don't, I don't think it's something that people really think about explicitly. But here's the thing with that. When everything is done right and it's quote unquote on brand, it's, it's natural. It feels good. Think about walking into a restaurant that might be... Mm -hmm you know, a high-end restaurant. And if there's music that makes sense for the setting playing and you're waiting for your meal and the server comes and so forth, you're not thinking that, oh yeah, things, this, this feels good. I'm excited for my meal. It's sort of just the experience. But if you were to walk into that same setting and something blatantly 
obvious was happening that was sort of counterintuitive to the setting you were in, um, like going to a you know a fine dining establishment and they're playing death metal or country or something, you would kind of say, wait a minute, something doesn't feel right. And not everyone is going to catch the fact that, oh, the music is off. But inherently, because of how we interact with sound and music as human beings, those emotions are going to make us feel um, just, it's going to feel off. And that's the, that's the issue is people aren't overtly thinking about how we can subconsciously influence people and make their experiences better. Um, so I don't think it's, it's anyone's fault. Um, but I do think now more than ever, again, leaning back towards technology and the way we all consume content, it's so different with the advent of TikTok and platforms like that. Like, you know, TikTok is largely driven off sound and sound alone. People are mm -hmm. driving entire dances and campaigns and, and things are going viral because people are doing something to the sound. And now as a brand, if you're going to launch a campaign on TikTok and it goes viral, and then a competing brand uses the same sound the next month or the next week, what good does that really do for you? How is that building any equity in, in yourself as a company? Um, so I'd caution brands to, you know, I'm not against licensing music. I think there's definitely a time and place to do that strategically, thoughtfully, and have the ability to make impact through it for a campaign. But if you're consistently renting someone else's likeness or leasing somebody else's equity to try and build your own, uh, it's just not going to work out long term for you. So, you know, we say, well, whether you're licensing music for a spot or not, you should be thinking about what your own sonic identity is and how that comes to life across everywhere you're spending your advertising dollars. Because guess what? Then it's a matter of that investment being amortized for years, if not decades to come. Right. It's not a it's not an expense like marketing or like licensing something ad hoc and then the campaign ends and that's it. The shelf life is expired and we have nothing left to show after the fact. So it is a it's a broader, larger strategic conversation, which uh, often requires much more work than someone might think. But, you know, once once brands and brand leaders and senior leadership teams start thinking about this, they nine times out of ten have the realization that what have we been doing? We, you know, we're behind the curve here. We really need to think about everywhere we're speaking to our customers, our partners and so forth, whether we're B2B, B2C, B2BC. And like I say, H to H, it's human to human. And I think sound has a tremendous ability to make a difference in that capacity. It is human to human. It's and so TikTok is an interesting example too, because, um, people use trending sounds, right? I mean, that's kind of how I make TikTok work because you use a trending sound that's never your own audio ever, hardly. And, you know, that's how people take off. So, and then of course you had Burger King, who maybe there's been others, but Burger King is one that comes to mind. They actually use one trending sound and made a TV commercial with that right. sound. But it, it's kind of cool. But as you said, it's not their audio, right? It's not their sound. I'm not going to, remember that sound to be related to Burger King, I'll remember their commercial because it was pretty creative. Um, how about, how do you decide when to license uh, audio or when you just create it yourself? And how does that work? And I've, I've done both. I mean, I've had people create audio for me before that I would then use, you know, on different things. Mm -hmm. um, but I've also licensed licensed audio, which, you know, 
I, I can't honestly say which one is easier because looking for audio and then licensing it, I mean, that can take a ton of time on its own versus just, you know, calling somebody up and saying, hey, can you help me with this audio, with this music or whatever it might be? How should brands think about that? It's a great question. And just before I get to that, you know, to your point on TikTok, Home Depot is a really interesting example of a company that has had their brand Anthem for decades. And, you know, it's been used on radio spots and TV spots and in store and so forth. And funny enough, I think a couple of years ago or last year, it actually caught wind on TikTok and you had all these Gen Z and millennials sort of doing this this dance to the Home Depot theme song. And that wasn't even planned for, but the amount of impressions and organic media that that actually accumulated for Home Depot was wild. And guess what? Good thing they had their own brand theme to do so. So that's that. But you know, to your point- now, um, now before, you get to my, before you get to my question, wasn't there Applebee's had a similar thing, right? Didn't they have like an Applebee's song like, like that went viral on TikTok? I don't know if that's their official song, but it right. certainly talked specifically about Applebee's. That's it. And if, you know, Just Eat is doing it now with Snoop Dogg and so forth. And yeah. if you go viral as a brand, I mean, wouldn't it be nice to have it based off of your own merit and something that you were then building equity in and getting ears and eyeballs on and so forth? So I think that's the conversation with all these new platforms popping up. And, you know, tomorrow, today it's TikTok. Tomorrow it's going to be something else. And that's the beauty of investing and owning Sonic brand or sonic identity it's flexible and adaptive enough to apply to whatever else is coming your way without knowing you know what's around the corner tomorrow um and you know to your question of well do i license music do i produce original music i think the answer there is well what's the brief what what, what are you hoping to achieve what are the marketing objectives and i think a lot of marketers get lost in the creative process and it's really at the end of the day, we're in the business of selling stuff, right? We're selling products and services and hopefully doing that in an ethical way, in a way that eases apprehensions and makes people's lives easier and has a great sort of journey, whether it's through technology or other humans along the way. And if that's the case, then, well, what are we hoping to do? And in those instances, um, you know, ad hoc for a specific flight or a specific campaign based on those, again, very specific business objectives, it might make more sense to license music. And in that context, we're proponents of licensing indie music in an ethical way because, you know, the typical big license for a song that everybody knows, it, it just you know the song, but what is it really doing for the brand? And then, you know, another brand, like I said, is using it next month and, and so forth. You think about how many times Barry White has been licensed and yeah, it's quirky and it might make sense for the spot, but, but then what? And you're burning a lot of money to do that, especially if it's a national campaign or a global campaign on TV and radio, those licenses aren't cheap, right? You're paying a lot of money to again, rent equity. So I think it's a nuanced conversation and it really comes down to, the brief and the business objectives of what the brand team uh, and the company really is, is looking to do and what they're hoping to get out of it. Now we have a B2B product for properties called Reina. And, you know, we focus on background music specifically there for hotels and retailers and restaurants. And in that case, it's other people's music. It's, you know, a restaurant's not going to make days and days and weeks and months worth of their own music neither is a hotel right but we we really meticulously and thoughtfully curate um and hone in on what their sound is and how that sound changes based on 
energy levels throughout the day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, you know, after work and so forth. And those are the things now that make sense, although it's licensed music and not original music, contextually, it still makes sense for those brand goals and objectives based on, you know, the experience and the setting that they're hoping to achieve. You know, I, this is probably the hill I will die on. I haven't changed my opinion in a long time on this topic. Um, but content strategy is an important part. I still see that every time brands do it well, when they do it well for a couple of years, it certainly works. But it drives me crazy when people start content strategy and they say, how many leads will it drive? 7,000 <laughs> leads in the first week. And it probably yeah. won't drive anything in the first couple of weeks, right? Because it takes a while. You have to, well, first of all, it takes a while. Then second of all, you actually have to do it correctly. So if you don't do it correctly, it's not going to work either. So my point is, I think the reason companies struggle with content strategy at times is because they try to set a goal that actually can't be achieved with content strategy. So when they set that in their plan, how do they go about audio, right? How do they go about, uh, how, how do they explain that? What's the goal of audio? Will it drive, is it the same thing? How many leads will it drive, you know, and whatever. If nobody at the hotel remembers the audio, but it makes them feel good. I mean, I'm, I don't travel much anymore, but I used to before this whole pandemic mess. <laughs> you can tell walking into a hotel what is nice and what's not nice just by the atmosphere, right? And that includes right. the music too. So how, how do we set the right goal when it comes to our brain experience as it relates to music and audio? Yeah, you know, the content strategy thing is interesting. It's usually such a, usually I'm not putting everyone in a bucket by any means here, but it's typically a very quick and dirty tactical execution. People are looking for a quick fix and hitting these vanity metrics and so forth. So no, like no one is thinking or very few are thinking about how how might we be able to use audio in a strategic and meaningful way to drive the traction and conversions and interaction KPIs that you know we want to achieve. So that's far and few between. Um, that's starting to change now. Again, I'm going to defer to TikTok because you know companies are realizing, oh, this is not just a fad. This is actually garnering more views than our, our commercial on TV and all of these other things that we've invested so much money in. So if we can catch uh, catch flight of a trend or go viral on this platform, maybe we should be thinking about, you know, the music or the sound or audio associated with the content we're making for this channel specifically. So I think that's starting to change, but largely it is still a very quick and dirty tactical thing where, Hey, we want to rush out this content, you know, put out this stuff with influencers and, the, these are the metrics we want to hit and so forth. Um, and to your last question of, well, how do we know, um, you know, with hotels and experiences and restaurants, we do a few things. So we're really nerdy in terms of how we built out our API and how we, um, our team of human beings actually curate for a brand. But then we actually get feedback from from those hotel managers and people in those settings all day long or a general manager if it's a store. And we'll say like, hey, how has this been going for you? Are we getting it right? You know, do we need to make tweaks? And so we'll get human feedback, although it's subjective. These people are there, you know, this is their full-time job. So they're there more than anyone else. And hearing feedback like, oh, the employees are so much happier. And, you know, people are just nodding their heads and they're generally in a better mood and so forth. Well, 
if that's the case with your internal team and employees, then how does that then extend to your customer experience? So I think there's two sectors. One is customers and then one is internal teams. And if we can make both feel better and ease apprehensions and anxiety and take away some of that mundane feeling through music being the catalyst, then there's that. There's also the data behind it, right? And we've partnered with a company called Soundout out of UK that are really leaders in this space in terms of measuring attribution, sentiment, and, and making sure that what we are doing not only as creatives feels right, but that the market that we're testing against feels the same way. So with them, we measure against 200 attributes. You know, we really go into things like recall and, and you know, how does this make people feel? And we look at the data and guess what? If the data lines up with what the creative says, we know we're on the right track. If we think something is great and it's not sort of laddering up to how the market feels about it, then we know we need to make tweaks before we you know, put this out in market and put a much, bunch of money behind it. So I think that's a big conversation these days with all the tools out there and AI and amazing things happening with you know, music modeling and data science and attribution and sentiment. That's a big part of how and why um, marketing leaders are investing in this space now. And you know, a brand like MasterCard, shout out to them. They've invested so much money, time and energy into making sure this concept and this notion of uh, brand experience or multi-sensorial marketing is actually true to their brand and not just marketing speak that so many you know tend to fall on. So they've thought about mm -hmm. every point of interaction from their advertising to hold music to their payment sounds. When you tap your MasterCard at any one of their POS systems globally, is there a consistent sound they're reinforcing that my payment went through? And is that a generic you know, is that a generic sound from the technology company? Well, why is that? Why isn't it our own sound? Because if we can prove to people that their payment has gone through, we're subconsciously building that trust within them that MasterCard is in fact secure. And so that's where all this is going is, it's funny because, you know, the way we experience music and sound as human beings, um, so much of it is is here, it's below the head, right? It's in the heart. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is not a new conversation, Christoph. This stuff is as old as time. It's, uh, you know, it's as old as humans are. You think about storytelling and if you're a, a cave woman or caveman sitting around a fire, um, you know, by the time you hear or see danger, it's too late. You're already eaten. But if you yeah. hear danger, you might be able to do something about it. So this fight or flight response is a real thing. And all of these intrinsic ways that sound and humanity are connected is something that the marketing and brand world is just now starting to uh, explore and understand and put into fruition and action. And it's an exciting time because like I said, with all of the advents in technology, there's, you know, we have so many cool partners in the technology space that are doing amazing things with audio. Um, yeah. And, and they're really just making people's lives easier, solving for uh, accessibility issues, all kinds of things that you wouldn't necessarily think of in the capacity of music or audio, but then you realize, oh, wow, this they're actually able to solve for this through an audio first perspective. I never thought of that. So, you know, we tend to bring that thinking to brands, to companies. Um, and it's really fun. We have a lot of fun doing it because they're not asking for this stuff. They typically haven't thought about it as yet.
the the MasterCard example especially comes to my mind. I don't know if it's MasterCard or just credit cards in general. It used to make a real horrible sound, and now it makes a very nice sound the, the, when you swipe your card. And I'm like, why would that not be a nice sound to begin with? Shaz, it was great to have you on the show. Thank you for sharing your insights. Really enjoyed it. Always learn a lot. Um, my pleasure. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Take care. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win. Mm -hmm.